Yes, welcome back to How Did I Get Here? This is, of course, the show where we're asking the question, well, how did you get here? I've got a guest today who's got a, an interesting career. He's a professional cycling photographer. Make sure I get that right. So he doesn't take photos of just anything. He's professional cycling events. You know, he's worked major cycling events like the Tour de France, the Giro d'Italia. I could go on. Uh, and despite being at, what, the start of, I'm sure it's going to be a very long career. He's done some pretty <laughs> amazing things already. Zach joins me today. Zach, g'day. Thanks for having me, Charlie. It's lovely to be here. No worries. Let's jump right into it. Explain to us first, you know, what does a cycling photographer do? I basically like, chase blokes around in Lycra, <laughs> to be honest, um, with a camera. So living the dream. Yeah, living the dream. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, no, like I work for an agency in the UK and then I do a bit of freelance stuff myself and I basically go to all of the biggest cycling events um, internationally, mostly in Europe, yeah. being a Eurocentric sport, but um, a few in Australia as well and yeah, a whole bunch of other places too, so living my dream at least um most people i think see cyclists as annoying things on the road and i see them as sort of yeah like uh, my life's passion so it's cool to combine it your life's passion so where does the aspiration come from because it's like it's a unique one. Oh yeah it's 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 niche for sure yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. like it's not so it's like afl photography or something like that mm. but um yeah, I was always obsessed with cycling as a kid. Um, my dad bought me my first road bike when I was sort of eight or nine. Um, and I like, grew up watching Lance Armstrong and like Kid 11s and stuff. Yeah, so cool. that had a big impact on me. And then I was probably 12 or 13 and I was at um, a local race up in the hills in Perth. Um, and a guy that I'd met, this like old British dude who's like sort of a bit of an enigma in like the Perth cycling scene called Steve gave me this camera um, just to like use for the day at the race. And I'd always sort of been interested in photography and I'd obviously always loved cycling. So I started taking pictures at this race and it sort of went from there. I was like, oh, this is super fun. Um, it's really exciting and it's a nice way to be involved in the racing when I'm not going to be, you know, that talented or racing like that right, myself. Yeah. So it just sort of stemmed from there. Yeah, so like, you know, first steps. Obviously, there's no uni course for, <laughs> no, for cycling not. photography. There's, there's no, not. not even like a TAFE course, really. What's no. How do you start to build that career? Yeah, I basically um, from that day, like went around and borrowed every camera I could get my hands on because obviously, you know, camera equipment's not cheap. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I was borrowing from like my cousins and then eventually the school media department, um, like I sort of got chummy with the people that ran that and they let me borrow their cameras um, cameras from there every weekend basically. And I just sort of shot every single race I could find in Perth um, that, that I could sort of get to. And my parents were incredible in terms of driving me to these races and stuff <laughs> and like sort of helping me with that and um yeah just sort of as I got a bit older I um I went over east for a couple of races um at the start of 2018 and then the start of 2019 I went over east again for like the tour down under the national championships like the biggest races in Australia mm. um and sort of talked to the right people and yeah went from there to Europe that year so yeah yeah of course, these days everyone's got a camera in their pocket. Yeah. Know, and everyone can whip out their phone and take a photo of a cyclist. <laughs> but there's there's a bit more nuance to, to what you do than that. You know, what was the learning process like of, you know, learning to take the more professional side of Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's always funny when you're at a race and you get some bloke or anyone rock up next to you and they've got their iPhone out and they're like, oh, <laughs> look at this picture I took. Like, what do you reckon? It's pretty good, yeah? And you're like, yeah, mate, it's great and awesome. Um, but, yeah, no, it's not, um, it's not sort of as simple as 
uh, watching anything on YouTube because there's not really that much out there. Uh, I learned a lot from people that I watched shoot, um, like locally, even other photographers and stuff, and just talking to them and learning how the settings on the camera worked and that sort of stuff. Um, and then when I got to the bigger races, sort of more professional photographers that I met, and I basically – you've got to become a sponge. Um, yeah. And just from watching them, watching what they produce, how they produce it, it just sort of – it's like anything. If you sort of around the best people in the world, it pushes you to be better. So, yeah, I've not had a course or done any sort of formal training aside from I got taught how to use the manual settings on a camera in like an afternoon um, by a friend of mine who was a, a professional photographer. But aside from that, it's pretty much just been trial and error, yeah. which is nice because it's it's – cool to be able to do something that you only get better at by doing more of it um rather than having to get a piece of paper to be good at it i suppose absolutely you know speaking of that progression there part of part of being a photographer especially someone who might work in freelance areas Mm. is building up your name building up your portfolio what was that like for you in that early part of your career yeah it's it's hard like being in australia it's it's tough because you're so isolated from where the races happen you know, because, yeah, we get January here where it's big and the international focus is on us. But the rest of the year, the racing here, it's pretty limited. And especially then being in Perth, even more isolated, it makes it more difficult. So Instagram has been huge. Like without Instagram, I wouldn't have a career. Mm-hmm. Um, and sort of pushing as much as possible out there. But to be honest, like Perth having such incredible professional cyclists here and from here, has helped enormously because I was able to get out and photograph like Jai Hindley who won the Giro d'Italia last year. So people like him, um, people like Ben O'Connor who finished fourth in the Tour de France in 2021 and Luke Durbridge and Cam Meyer, like all of these international names and household names in the sport. And then having a picture of them that you put on Instagram rather than a picture of Joe Bloggs at the local race (laughs) makes a huge difference because it quantifies it in people's eyes internationally speaking i suppose absolutely uh i want to hear the first the story of your first major tour which which one was it and you know what was the experience like i was the juro in 2019 yeah um and i'd been invited so i went to the tour down under i met the two guys i travel with there um now so a guy called chris Auld and another guy called russ ellis russ actually lives in perth now but they're both in the uk and um by the end of the week, I'd sort of pestered them and sort of <laughs> built enough rapport with them that they invited me to go to the Giro with them that year. Yeah. So I rocked up to the Giro and, oh, man, it was just unbelievable. Like it started in Bologna that year and they had like an individual time trial up the top of this like basilica on the hill, which I don't know the name of, but it's super famous <laughs> in Bologna. Like you Google Bologna, it's the first thing that comes up. And um, it was a big learning curve. Uh, it was really, really wet the first week and I lost one of my lenses. It got water damaged. So I was sort of really stressing about that. And then another one of my lenses got badly water damaged but came back to life. So I was like borrowing gear from colleagues. I was like flying by the seat of my pants. But going with Chris and Russ there made all the difference because it's so hard to physically just cover an event, logistically speaking, experience all that sort of stuff it's not having to have such a brutal crash course doing it on my own and doing it with them who've done it before was yeah like made all the difference but Mm. yeah i mean it was (laughs) phenomenal surreal when when you're covering a major tour like that you know jira 
tour, are you just living out of a backpack and just following the cyclists around really? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Like we are, the Giro, we do hotels. Yeah. So we drive around, like we either have a hire car or Chris brings his van. Mm-hmm. Um, and if he brings his van, we get to take our bikes, which is great because you can normally get an hour or so before a stage most days to go for a ride, which is huge. Um, and then at the tour, we actually camp because um, it's summer yeah. and the campsites in France are amazing. So we take his van, have all our camping gear in there and our bikes. And I was really apprehensive about that because I did it the first time last year. And yeah. I was like really sort of nervous about it and like didn't sort of wanted a nice bed in the shower every night, but it turned out to be awesome fun. And I mean, we got lucky with the weather. It was just amazing. But yeah, it was actually really, really fun just simplifying everything. Um around the race which is always so intense especially the tour like it's just a circus for three weeks yeah like speaking about the tour like you know we do have that international focus on cycling in australia here in january Mm. but then of course tv start getting switched to sbs in july because it is that you know that highlight of the year in the cycling calendar as as somebody who's there on the ground you know probably not something a lot of people get to experience what's it actually like yeah it's ridiculous yeah like it's and especially being privileged enough to be inside it you know like inside the barriers and around the riders and a part like a small part but a part of the race it's like childhood dream like i mean (laughs) i i've got a really good friend who i we often talk about like a conversation we had at school in like a study period in year 12 and he was like what's the goal like with this? Cause I was obviously, I would never shut up about how I wanted to photograph cycling and how I was doing it every weekend and stuff. So what's mm. the goal? And I said, Oh, well the goal, like number one top goal would be Tour de France. And then when I sort of remembered that and then was at my first one or at my second one last year where i just felt a lot more confident with what I was producing and sort of had got a feel of the ropes and all of that sort of stuff. And especially after two years of COVID when I couldn't travel, mm. Uh, it's it's unbelievable it's yeah it's a rolling circus in that it just rocks up to people's towns every day everyone comes out of their homes like everyone's there the best riders in the world are there everyone's talking about it um and then it just leaves (laughs) (laughs) it's 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 over as soon as it starts yeah 100 percent. like Mm. it's for, for those people it is and then because you're on it like you just sort of like traveling around france or around like denmark for a few days last year and stuff Mm. and just yeah you get to see all these amazing places but you get to see them five minutes (laughs) before you gotta go so that was kind of my next question you know traveling the world as a photographer how much do you actually get to see or is it all cycling oh like (laughs) i've i can say i've been to a lot of places yeah but i haven't been to a lot of places like you get the odd rest day in between where, so like last year at the tour, for example, the first rest day was on Lake Geneva yeah, and we're on the French side. So we're staying in this campsite where like it was basically overlooking Lake Geneva. It was insane. And so they have like, normally have two rest days in a grand tour. And so we use it to do laundry and admin and like get caught up because you just can't do that on a normal stage. Mm. But then we also had a chance to go for a ride that afternoon. So went for a ride in the Alps and like back down to Lake Geneva. And then I, it was like 30 degrees. So I went and had a swim and it was just <laughs> one of those days where it's just like, this isn't real. Yeah. Like, this can't possibly be real. And then, you know, the next day you're back on the race and you're back stressing about, are you going to get to a spot? Are you going to do this? Are you going to do that? So mm-hmm. it's very fluctuating in terms of the reality, but at the end of the day, even on bad days, 
like I'm getting to do what I've always wanted to do. So you've got to apply a bit of perspective to it because <laughs> whinging about a bad day at the Tour de France is a bit, <laughs> it's a bit like, absolutely, yeah, Fair a bit enough. of mistake. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So as you mentioned, you know, that so for those three weeks, everyone's talking about cycling. And of course there's the moments of triumph, you know, there's the, the winner, there's the Champs-Élysées at the end, but a, a big, part of that focus is often when there's a big crash mm. at the, you know, at any of the tours really, but especially at the Tour de France, you know, do you have a specific policy about taking photos of something like that? Uh, it, it's very much like shoot first, ask questions later. Right. Yeah. Um, like I'd never ever publish a picture of someone if they were seriously injured or worse. Of course. Luckily that doesn't happen often. Um, like it's it's very rare that someone will die or that someone will become seriously injured. I've shot a few, especially last year. I had a few crash pitches, which only I got, um, which is just luck. It's mm. pure luck. Um, I got one of them, the, the girl in the, in the women's Tour de France, actually. So it's the first one. And uh, Lorena Weebus, who won the opening stage and she was leading the sprint competition, like nailed on to win the green jersey and all that sort of stuff. And she crashed on this really nondescript piece of road and it was a bad crash like it was brutal and I got this picture of her falling and then her teammate riding over the top of her and initially and then like she sort of fell towards me at about 40k an hour so I'm sitting there like pulling out of my camera like that to make sure she's not going to hit me but still holding the, (laughs) the shutter down to get the shot and then like she got up straight away she ended up having to abandon the next day but I posted that picture because I knew she was all right and she DM'd me straight away and said, oh, my God, can I have this picture? <laughs> <laughs> and her teammate that's riding that's over great. the top of her, same deal. So nine times out of ten, in the moment, it's really horrible and it's hardcore. But, I mean, they want the pictures. Like the riders themselves, Absolutely. the ones that are crashing, want the pictures. And, yeah, it's it's part of the sport. Um, it's a reality of the sport. You know, it's it's the harsh reality of it for sure. And it's really brutal. But it is just sort of the way it is and it's part of it. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you, you work for an agency, but you also do some freelance stuff. Mm. Life as a freelancer, next paycheck's never guaranteed. <laughs> uh, how, do you, how do you manage that? Oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. Like, mm. you know, I'm still waiting for invoices to be paid from last month, right. um, which, you know, then fund expenses going forward before I then get paid again. And it's, yeah, it's very much moments when you feel like you're a baller and then moments when you're like, oh, I've really got to cut back um, because this person's not paid me or that person's not paid me or their pay cycle's longer. So it's something you've got to navigate. Um, My mum, she's actually, she works for herself. She's a media consultant. So I've seen it with her just, you know, in in a bigger sense with government agencies and big companies that take forever to pay. So I've sort of learned a lot with her about how to manage it, but it's still frustrating. Um, But it's the reality, but it's a weird thing. It's like you don't rock up to say Coles and like do a whole shop and then just walk out and be like, yeah, I'll pay in a few weeks. (laughs) You know, (laughs) it's like, it's, it's a weird concept, but it's, it's the reality of it. Um, Mm. And it's just something you got to deal with. Speaking of things that don't go to plan, uh, 2020, COVID forces, you know, shut down the borders, events are cancelled and postponed. I think the tour was postponed that year, but a few other events were cancelled. What was that year like for you? And, you know, there's 2021 and 2022. It's still happening. Yeah. How did you manage that? I didn't get to go. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, so like 2019 was really good and um, 
yeah, I mean, that was great. And I had a whole bunch of momentum going forward for 2020 and, and all that. And I had contracts signed with, with clients and all that sort of stuff and got to March um, off the back of the January sort of season I'd done in Australia and all those races. And uh, yeah, everything went, went haywire. So yeah, I was stuck here for two years. Um, I worked, I managed a couple of bike shops, which was really fun because I'd always wanted to do that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> obsessed with bikes. So I spent all my money on, on bike equipment and, <laughs> and new bikes and all that sort of stuff. So, it, you know, it was definitely, I had it better than a lot of people, but at the same time, it was so frustrating because I'd finally sort of got to a point where I was making ground and, and gaining momentum, you know, professionally. And then it was just all taken away. Mm. Um, and I mean, I tried to get out, but then three and a half grand to sit in a hotel room for two weeks and like no guarantee that you were flying back. I had like Jai who won the Jura, he tried eight separate times to get back from really? Europe and he booked a business class ticket every single time and every single one got canceled. Mm. So it's like, I don't have the funds to book a business class ticket to then get it canceled, to then get stuck in Europe. Like it's, it was crazy. Um, so very frustrating, but glad <laughs> it's back to normal now. You know, you've, you've predicted my next question because I want to talk about Jai Hindley now because yeah. I know you know him and, of course, he won the Giro last yeah. year. You know, uh, as a Perth photographer, seeing that happen, what was that like? Well, I didn't see it happen. So the next question, yeah. 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 So I, uh, I had a I – I was at the Giro until stage 13 mm. um, and I had a race scheduled, a women's race in the UK scheduled called Ride London – a team um that was later in that month so i left the juror early to go and cover that which it, even if jai didn't win i would have regretted because it's probably the worst run event i've ever been a part of right. like it was a joke it was run by the london marathon people so they'd never run a bike race right so we weren't being allowed to stand where we normally would stand and it was just an absolute nightmare and then to add insult to injury i was watching on my phone like this dude i've known for 10 years who is a really good friend <laughs> like win the second biggest race in the whole world and I'm the only photographer from Perth that's <laughs> over there and I'm not there. I'm in London shooting a stupid race that I'm not that I, I'm hating <laughs> and like <laughs> that I could have got a colleague of mine to cover me for. And I'm just sitting there like, oh well, never doing this again. <laughs> so yeah, I mean look, it was unbelievable. It was mm. uh, and there's no one that deserves that success more. And he's the most humble and just real dude you'll ever meet and that's never going to change it hasn't changed and it won't change um but i mean i probably could have retired off the pictures i took <laughs> not really but it would have helped a lot it would have been great it would have been great to have been there um you know with his family and all that sort of stuff taking those pictures but uh yeah, it's just one of those things that I'll never live down. Did, <laughs> so. you, did Jai, you know, talk to you about it? Oh, like, big time, yeah. 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 Oh, he rubs it in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like he, uh, yeah, he uh, lets me know that it was it was funny. Um, I mean, no belief is sort of some of the things he said and that sort yeah. of stuff. So, but yeah, is what it is. Now, of course, your product is the photos. So uh, I was looking through your Instagram this morning and yesterday and I picked out three photos that I thought were a bit more unique and mm -hmm. I just wanted to, you know, go through them a yeah, little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah, sweet. Oh, you uh, printed them out. I Jesus. printed them out because we'll put them up on the screen. Though. The first yeah, one, yeah. Uh, I think this is at the Giro yeah. in Hungary. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Could yeah. you explain the story behind this one? Yeah, so it was... Um I'd never been to Hungary before. I'd never been to Budapest. Budapest mm. is amazing. Uh, the way I'd sum up my experience in Hungary is like Budapest or bust because the rest of Hungary 
you know, no disrespect to Hungarians whatsoever. Doesn't look like Budapest. So pictures wise, it was really grim. Mm. Um, so we would, we'd driven out of Budapest that day and we'd decided not to shoot the rollout out of the city because it's still in neutral. So there's like the uh, race director's car driving in front of the peloton. But it was like over one of these famous bridges and we were sort of didn't shoot that. So we were like, yeah, we'll find something out there. No worries. And we're driving, driving, driving. There's nothing. Like it's just horrible. Um, and we're really getting stressed about like having to sort of stop to then cut across the course to then get to the finish. Um, and we were starting to clutch at straws and we drove past these horse riders that were like on the side of the road. There's about 10 of them and they're yeah. all just sort of circling around, like keeping the horses entertained. And they're all in these like traditional costumes. He's got a sword. And he's got a sword. <laughs> and we were like, oh, well, there's the shot. And they'd like mowed this path in the crop alongside the road Um and they basically, as the riders came along, they just started galloping alongside the peloton. And um, yeah, we just sort of camped in the in the um, farmers' crops <laughs> and tried not to, <laughs> to sort of ruin them. And um, and yeah, they sort of they hooked past, and it just made what was honestly like before and after that day not very nice photos wise. It, it made the day, um, yeah. and it honestly, it probably made the, the hungry leg of the Giro because it was really really good, but. Pictures wise, that definitely stood out, and it's it's different. Like it's yeah, it's a cool, unique picture. Mm. Um, and yeah, it was it was fun to take. Speaking of unique, this next one kind of just like sticks out like a sore thumb on your Instagram because <laughs> there's no bikes in it. Uh, yeah, it's just this plush lion that yeah. we just kind of saw and we just kind of cracked up at. Mm. What what is what's going on so here? So that's Tadej Pogacar. So he'd won the Tour de France the last two times in a row, yeah. and he just moved into the yellow jersey. And you get the lion, so it's the LCL lion. It's the mascot of the yellow jersey. Oh, right. So he's walking onto the podium. That's his shadow ah, on the side there. Yeah. So, and you get like the arm of the yellow jersey. So you can see it's him and he's got a very distinct profile. So you, if you know, you know that it's Pogachar. Uh, and I basically just, yeah, I took it and somebody else's flash went off at the same time. So it popped his shadow onto the wall behind. And um, yeah, I just... I really like it to be honest. It's honestly one of my favorite pictures I've taken. I love it. Because it's just <laughs> a bit like a bit weird. Mm. You know? but yeah. F- final one here, like just the aesthetics of this photo. So it's the riders going through the, the crop of sunflowers. Yeah. Explain to me this one. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, it's like you think Tour de France and like, you know, you reference SBS, like their telecast. Yeah. You think sunflowers. And we always wanted to get a proper sunflower picture, but you always drive along and the crop's facing the wrong way or it's depressed and like they're sort of dying. So they're all going to sleep or they're too far away from the road or whatever. And then we got to this point on this stage where there were sunflowers on the other side of the road. There were sunflowers on our side of the road. So you could sort of shoot it like it was just sunflower and no road. Mm. Um, and I, that shot I was so stoked with cause I got the white Jersey at the front, the yellow Jersey in the middle and the green Jersey at the, back right. so like the three of the leaders the four leaders jerseys in one picture and like three of the four biggest names in the race in one picture in like a perfect line in the sunflower so it's just one of those like, it all sort of fell into place mm. um but yeah nice to have like a quintessential sunflower picture like Absolutely. i can take that one off the list you know so like before we get into our final questions like what i want to know about the process of like staking out a spot mm. like what are you thinking about when you're looking for that perfect shot well we do it a bit differently. Like some of our colleagues will spend days, like days and weeks on Google Maps and 
it's like the kids that study at school. Like where mm. we sort of just cram the night before or the morning <laughs> of the test, like, just like I did at school. And um, and we sort of look at, you get like a road book um, for the race, which has like a detailed um, map of the course right. and all the roads around it. And then you have a schedule and the schedule basically breaks down when the riders are going to be at each kilometre marker. And you get like a fastest, a medium and a slowest time they'll be there. And you have to sort of work out, all right, well, if I can get to here, then I need I need this amount of time to get to there. And I need that amount of time to get to finish. And every day you have to sort of work that out and then use Google Maps. And then we basically freestyle it in terms of just, oh, yeah, that spot looks all right or that spot looks all right. And a lot of the time it's not, but a lot of the time it works. Mm. Um, and then on a mountain stage or whatever you pick, the story of the day. So you pick the big mountain where the attacks or the action is going to happen um, rather than say going to the finish where it just looks like another finish line picture. So yeah. that's the most stressful part of the job hands down is planning the routes every day. That's what I do. Um, and navigating around because even when you turn up to a roadblock and you've got a sticker that lets you through on the road, French gendarmes love to say no. <laughs> like they love it. It's just femme. And then that's it. Like you just can't get on. And it's like, but no, we, we have accreditation, we're allowed on, and they don't care. Actually, yeah, I read that in one of your Instagram captions today that the Swiss gendarmes are much better. Yeah, than they're the great. Yeah, yeah, Switzerland's mint. Yeah, like <laughs> we went, we went on the Tour de France. We went to Switzerland for one day, and it was, you know, it's the it's the French's race. It's the French race, and it's yeah. We went into another country, and they were so much better and so much more welcoming, and uh, and yeah. So Tour de France in Switzerland, way better. Love it. Love it. <laughs> yeah. Now, of course, I just looked at my favorite shots that I picked out. Do you have a favorite shot from your career? I pro- yeah, I probably like, it doesn't even have bikes in it. I took a picture of um, the Arc de Triomphe last year mm. on the Champs-Élysées stage as the French, I don't know what they're called, but the French Air Force every year, they fly over the Arc de Triomphe and down the Champs-Élysées as the riders come up. And in 2019, I messed up the shot and totally missed it. I knew it was happening, but I just, I was in the wrong place and I got a terrible picture of it. I was really angry. And this year, they're meant to come on the first lap, but because they're French, they were late. So they came on the third lap, and I was in the wrong spot again, but I was at like a 45-degree angle to the arc. And again, because they're French, they weren't flying in the middle of the arc. So it actually all fell into place. And I've got this picture of basically the Jets flying across the arc with the French flag Mm. smoke in the background, and it's perfectly in line with the corner of the arc. Right. And because I missed it in we'll, 2019. We'll chuck it up on the screen as yeah, well. Yeah, <laughs> because, I, because I missed it in 2019 and because I was stressing about missing it again to like nail that, it doesn't even have bikes in it. But if you know about the Tour de France, if you've watched that final stage, which mm. so many people have, yeah, you know what it is. And yeah, it was, it was very satisfying. I mean, there's heaps, but that to me like stands That's out. That's the peak. Yeah. Yeah. For a really weird reason, to be honest. Like, I should probably pick a cycling picture, but <laughs> I just love it. It counts. It counts. Yeah. Uh, we won't keep you too much longer, but a couple mm. reflection questions we'd like to ask everyone on, on the show. Uh, you, you know, you're a few years into a career. Is there anything you might change along the way? Um, I'd love some more clients. Yeah. 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 Like, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely still building, like, who I work for who I work with, there's a lot more stuff going on this year, which is really promising um, Mm. and stuff starting to fall into place. But it's really hard in specifically in cycling because if you're not there, no one cares. You know, like you asked before about portfolio and stuff. To be perfectly honest, I hit up every single person 
before I went over in 2019 to ask to work for them and you send them what you've got and unless they know the riders unless it's pictures from the previous season and it's all quantifiable for them they won't even look at you right so what I've been doing especially last year like is building a base of work that I can then market to people and show to people to sort of say yeah well look I mean this is what I do this is what I do at these races that your team is at or your products are at or your publication wants coverage from Mm. and sell that on. So I don't necessarily know if I'd want to do anything different, but I want to keep pushing what I've been doing. Um, But yeah, I mean, take the shot that nobody else has ever got. You know, that's always what you want to do. Um, But yeah, I mean, I'm happy with the way it's going now and with the way it's progressing. Um, and it's just going to take time. Final question. You know, something we ask everyone here. 15-year-old Zach, he's sitting right in front of you. What <laughs> advice are you giving him? Uh, I suppose do exactly what you've been doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe like, yeah, lay off the cycling chat in class and stuff. <laughs> made you a bit of a target. But um, yeah, it's funny. I reflect a lot, honestly. Because like my whole life I've wanted to do what I'm doing. And it sounds really corny but it, it has been what i've always wanted to do like yeah, i when i was course. a kid i always wanted to just to go to these races and so to work on them and actually be there and be involved it, it's like every everything that i wanted when i was then and when i was that kid and like dreaming about it i now get to go and do so yeah i don't know if necessarily i'd say anything try and sort of change anything yeah. that i've done because whatever it is I've done, whoever I've met and whichever sort of way I've managed to fall into it, it's worked or it's working. So I, yeah, it's surreal. Before I let you go, where can we find you and what can we look forward to this year? Yeah. I'm Instagram. I'm just said W photography. Nice and basic. Um, Same on Facebook, but Instagram sort of where I do most. Um, I'm flying to Europe on Wednesday. Right. So yeah, not long now. Um, And I'm starting with, Strada Bianchi, which is like a, tu- a race in Tuscany on the white roads. Mm-hmm. So really, really horrible place to start. <laughs> um, so that's always one of the best races of the year. But I mean, yeah, I'm doing um, all the road season again and then hopefully maybe some of the cyclocross season as well later in the year. Um, but that's still a bit up in the air. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, just more pictures of men and women in Lycra. Of course. You know? Love it. Yeah. That does it for How Did I Get Here Today. You can find us, student underscore edge, on Instagram. Student edge, just one word, on TikTok. Search us up, student edge, or how did I get here on YouTube and head to studentedge.org for all our articles, podcasts, deals, competitions, career tips, education advice, and much, much more. Zach, thank you so much for joining me today. Man, you're a smooth plugger. Thank you very much. (laughs) 